Dopamine swipe, dopamine, dopamine swipe. Follow us, likes, double tap. What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to the 817 Podcast, where we talk about the lovely city of Fort Worth, what's going on in politics, business, culture, and all the amazing things that happen in this city, and also the things that need accountability. Jimmy, what's going on, man? Not too much. It. Uh, I know you're you're on the road, and so we're recording on Zoom, um, but it was a beautiful weekend here in Fort Worth. Wow. One of those. Like my mom, my parents were in town. My mom called it a red letter day. Uh, One of those days to uh, mark down because of just how nice the weather was. And it was awesome being outside. Uh, And so I feel like it's, we get what, like maybe six weeks out of the year where we're like, oh, this is perfect weather. And uh, we're running through one of those right now. Well, I'm jealous, man. I've been in, um, Kansas and Garden City where it smells like cow manure and um, <laughs> Phoenix where it was 93 yesterday so you know <laughs> uh, but yeah no I'm glad things are going well yeah and um, I'm currently in an Airbnb it's about you know a thousand square feet two bedroom one bath I think it's a million dollar home you know here in Phoenix <laughs> so um, glad you got to see family and um Hope things are going well, but t- let's talk about how we're going to go through this agenda. I'm really excited how we're going to do this episode. It came out of nowhere, and I feel like we are, we're on to something pretty good. Yeah, we uh, we had we had fun playing our little fill-in-the-blank game at South by Southwest, and so we figured we'd try another game for our big story today, and that's going to be Zeros and Heroes. So <laughs> we feel like a lot of the news this week was focused on individuals and we want to do some highlighting and low lighting of those individuals on the show today. But first, we've got some small stories to get into. Uh, what do you want to lead off with? Well, I say we dive into um, the local kind of city council c- coming to a compromise on the map. You know, shout out um, everyone who's kind of been documenting what's happening at city council and, and what's happening with the redistricting confirmation so um jimmy give kind of your rundown on how you kind of feel i know me and you were talking about um we thought this was going to go towards you know the the version four as many people wanted that but it seems like they got together and now they they didn't do that and now people are kind of like what's what was the point of that meeting i don't know what's your kind of take uh, yeah, definitely. First, like you said, a big shout out to Rachel at the Fort Worth Report and Harrison at the Star Telegram, who have been sitting through a lot of hours of redistricting meetings, both open to the public and closed to the public. Um, but a little rundown from this week. Uh, earlier in the week was last public comment meeting of the redistricting process. And last week we highlighted versions two, three, and four of the map that were being considered. Um, We asked the question, like, why is version two even still around? And that seemed to be reflected. It really didn't get much runtime um, in either of the meetings. But version four is the one that 81% of speakers that showed up 
to the public comment meeting on the 22nd supported. Now, a lot of them had small tweaks that they wanted to be made to version four. And so that night, Carlos Flores, or the next morning, uh, Flores and his team of whoever took some of that feedback and put it into a new map that was just a modified version of version four and submitted that the next morning. That ruffled the feathers of some city councilors uh, who were saying, like, why is something new being submitted this late? Uh, Which I don't know if you can really call this new, like it's what we were going off of. And yes, there were some changes. So I understand the frustration of not being able to dig into it beforehand. Um, But also like you're working from a canvas that you know pretty well. And after like six, seven hours of arguing, conversation, couple break times, a lunch time, um, they finally came together and supported what essentially will be that map. So the final map resolved notable concerns voiced during public comment, including moving Panther Island back into District 2, which version three of the map, which uh, Nettles was fighting tooth and nail over, um, had moved that away from District 2 into District 9. Riverside Alliance will be together in District 11. South Hemp Hill Heights will be in 11. The residential parts of Rosemont will be in 11. And a portion of Polly will go to District 11 along Vaughn Boulevard. Uh, the portions that were predominantly Hispanic were moved into District 11 and District 8 will keep the Rosedale Corridor, including Texas Wesleyan, um, using Vickery and Beach as a divider. Eastern Hills will be in District 11 and Old Handley west of Loop 820 will be in 11. The entirety of Wedgwood will be in District 9. So we're like nine, 10 months into this thing. We had an independent redistricting committee. We've had all of these meetings, canceled meetings, rescheduled meetings, and it kind of just came down to a bunch of arguing between city councilors, um, which came off as kind of petty and like not the way the process should have been handled. Yeah. Um, yeah, we even, yeah, I was really just impressed with the, you know, now you had, you, you got to see like, you know, Nettles really upset and then Jared and Nettles kind of finally maybe having disagreements and, the idea of Wedgwood being a part of District 9, that's so interesting because I feel like, you know, Wedgwood is such a different neighborhood than like what District 9 traditionally is seen mm-hmm. to be. Um, you know, Wedgwood has that kind of um, potential, like on the crust of the city, kind of um, the beginning of the suburbs, but, you know, has like... Yeah, I, I just think it's interesting how that's going to create uh, a District 9. Um, and then also with, like, Beck getting emotional and Beck, you know, feeling like she failed her Hispanic constituents. Um, I thought all that was really interesting because it, it, to me, feels like we were we, before this meeting 
everyone was really excited because it sounds like they were going with version four and everyone seemed like, wow, they listened. They listened to the people who wanted version four, right? 80 plus percent of people who were in the meeting wanted version four. Um, so it just seems so weird how now I feel like we're now back to like, man, this is, this did not work out at the end. Yeah. And like you could say like, oh, just because people showed up to a meeting doesn't mean that like they're reflective of everyone. Um, but the people at that redistricting meeting were the people that we've been hearing from consistently throughout the entire process. The people who made and submitted a lot of the uh, these maps, the people that have been meeting with their city councilors. And so, and they are coming from a lot of minority groups who are trying to push for the representation that the city's been looking for for a long time. Um, but yeah, coming out of it, it feels like people are not very excited. Um, and I think that's reflective of a broken process that could have been done independently, should be done independently. Because you look at this map and there's a, two things that I get from it. Like one, Fort Worth's urban sprawl is ridiculous. The way that we have annexed land just looks dumb. Like the way you look at you look at it and you're like, why why did we think that adding this on the outside of another city was a good idea? Um, mm -hmm. And then you look at this and you're like, this map is so gerrymandered. Like these districts make little to no sense when you look at them. Like I think district four is compact, looks nice. District two is compact and looks nice. District 10, like that area is going to be going to look weird regardless, just because there's, you know, multiple other cities yep. within uh, that jurisdiction. But for what it could be, like it's compact, looks nice. And then the other seven, you're just like, what is wrong with these? Um, and I, I think that one, like that shows parts of the problem with um, having people create the maps who depend on being elected. Yeah. So they have a bet, regardless of what they say, like they have a vested interest in making sure things work for them. And like, we're adding two city council seats, but we're still way behind what we need. Like uh, someone sent me earlier today, like Jacksonville has 14 seats plus like five um, other positions on council. Wow. And like, we're the same size as Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Like Im imagine how much more compact and like realistically good the districts could look if we were adding three more. Um, we wouldn't have to have these like random horseshoes and neighborhoods sticking out, you know, four miles away from the rest of their district. And I, I just think that we're really far behind 
um, and adding these two seats doesn't isn't enough to like get us to where we realistically should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we're going to see, um, there's not much we can do. I know, um, there's people who are going to try to fight against this as we're going to talk about some people in the heroes and zeros. Um, but before we kind of do that and, and there's other people we want to mention. So we're going to be talking more about this story in the heroes and zeros, big story as there's some heroes and zeros from this whole process. Now, let's go ahead and go into the second short story, um, which we're going to discuss. Um, this is the impact of Senate Bill 1 and its effect on primaries in Tarrant County. Now, this was out earlier in the week, and it's just basically talking about the impact of the new election laws around you know, voting by mail, all the things that you need in order to do that, and it's really impacting Tarrant County in a big way. I mean... In Tarrant County alone, 850, 15 ballots were rejected over the ID rule. Three in the Republican primary and 812 in the Democratic primary. So that's like crazy. In Texas, nearly 23,000 ballots, 13% were rejected. So my whole thing is, if you just keep the ratios we have in Tarrant, you're talking about a legit um, rejection of several uh, of many Democratic ballots. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. And so I know you you were talking about the impact this had across the state with Harris County and other places. Um, and Terrence not getting impacted as much as these more progressive blue cities. But what's kind of your take and like, how have you seen people try to overcome this? What do you see from a political campaign strategy that Democrats need to have um, in order to get this right? Um, what's your kind of thoughts? Yeah, there's SB1 is doing exactly what SB1 was decide, was designed to do, and that is to disenfranchise voters and discourage people from voting. Um, so a couple of the uh, examples in the Fort Worth Report article are really indicative of who this is actually impacting and how it's not about election security. Um, one person... Uh, a 70 year old who has to use a scooter to get around missed an election for the first time in her life. She applied for a mail-in ballot. It never came. And because of that, when she went to a polling place on election day, she was told she could get a provisional ballot. But if she did that, she would not be able to get mail-in ballots for the rest of the year. Now we're talking, we know we've got a May uh, local election I think there might be even another one before we get to November. So to her, like it's not necessarily feasible for her to be getting to a physical polling location every time. And she shouldn't have to, but now like if she had taken that ballot during the primary, she wouldn't be able to apply for mail-ins for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, Other people, especially with disabilities that, are saying that they sat out voting for the first time ever because of how difficult the process became for them to get a ballot correctly and do things right. Um, So it's not even, it's not even the rejections that we're worried about too. It's the people now who are going to be like, Hey, I'm not going to vote in the future because this is just too difficult. Yeah. Like it's not worth our time and effort. Yep. Um, And I, so 
one, like why we shouldn't be doing anything to disenfranchise people with disabilities, like in a, not even in a Democrat Republican split, like people should, voting should be as accessible as possible to everyone. And that's why things like mail-in ballots exist. Um, So if you're, especially if you're a Democrat running in the November election, I would think that you would want to be finding a way to work with every single like nursing home in your city, county, state to be making sure that there are so many buses going to and from polling locations, um, that there are, are polling locations nearby that are easily accessible to people with disabilities. Um, because it, or creating a system that is easy for people with disabilities to get to physical voting locations, whether that's because they're old or they have some other sort of disability. Um, because it, I think that this is really going to play a, a major role in potentially millions of ballots come November. Yeah. And, you know, what, what I, you know, reading through the articles, I just found it interesting and no one really took it to the point of, you know, I, I thought like because it's older people, which usually vote Republican, this would have had much more of an equal impact, but it's, it's not. So that's just even the more confusing part to me is, is this impacts because you have to be at a certain age to, or have a disability in order to have mail-in ballots. So it's just like the, that's the part that's so shocking to me too, is that like we get told that as millennials and Gen Zers, it's the, it's the boomers who are, who are voting against the things that would help us out. But, um, but like now looking at this, it's it's impacting old people, older people who vote on the Democratic uh, side. So it's just that's just interesting. Yeah, and even like for um, attendance, people who are uh, aides and helping those with disabilities to come and vote, like they have to sign it an oath now um, that leaves them liable to criminal prosecution if you know something was incorrect um you used to be able to use a a stamp your signature for people who can't physically write anymore but now all signatures have to be wet ink um meaning that the person has to physically sign it um so i mean i think that SB1 did exactly what it was intended to do. And uh, it's unfortunate to see how it already affected Tarrant County so far. And I'm sure even more so will come November. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, definitely going to have to create strategies because man, when I'm just looking at the, the, the impact it has on Harrison County, Harris County, which Harris County had such a pivotal role in, 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 in showcasing like the hope of Texas, you know, mm-hmm. and, and how they did eight over 18% rejection of their mail-in ballots. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. And uh, like the ability to do drive in drive through voting is gone now. 22% um, in bear County. I mean, almost 23% yeah. in bear County. Crazy. The, 
the places who were really pushing the envelope and making voting accessible have lost all of that progress immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Even, um, you know, you know, rep VCs kind of said, um, obviously there's an emergency and the Republicans don't need to be prideful. They don't need to try to defend the indefensible. They need to just admit that they went too far and it was a mistake. Uh, there's just no way that there should have been that many ballots that had been thrown out because of this law. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah. And it's just crazy because when you have like international news and you have other things getting average Americans attentions, this mm-hmm. is just massively flowing under the radar. Um, but should such be more something that's at the top priority of all Texans and, um, Heck, even nationally. So, um, crazy stuff. Yeah. You ready to get to the big story? Let's do it. Um, so let's who, tell them what it is again and how we're, how we're going to do it. So our, our big story, we're doing Heroes and Zeros of Fort Worth this week. So with so much of the news focused on individuals, we wanted to highlight some of the really cool, like interesting, good things that happened this week, as well as uh, the negatives. And this kind of gives us an opportunity. I feel like we're looking through the news this week. We're like, it was an active week. And like, there were a lot of losses. And uh, I feel like this gives us the opportunity to hit more of our wins and losses than we usually would just be because it was such a, a polarizing active week. Yeah, so heroes and zeros, obviously, to explain, heroes are people who, like, wow, I think, like, man, really cheering for you right now. Zeros um, are just people who are being a dud, waste, you know, wasting up some oxygen, um, <laughs> messing things up. So do you want to do zeros? You want to start? I know we wrote the list heroes, zeros, but you want to do zeros and then heroes? Or, or how do you want to do it? Let's go back and forth. Okay. So like start with heroes or start with zeros? What do you think? Let's, uh, let's start with a zero. All right. Well, we'll start we're with told, our, we're told that, yeah, yeah, we're, we're told we're, to end on positive notes. Yeah. So. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll start with, with our honorary, um, and doctrine zero who is just lives in uh, zero land. And that is, uh, <laughs> the, the man himself, um, <laughs> Carrie moon, right? Carrie moon, everybody. Right. So there it is. Um, so a little bit about Carrie. Carrie is um Carrie uh is in May going to do two days of jail time for um him not agreeing to or not not listening to his his uh probation and for uh his DWI and uh he's also having to wear a uh, ankle bracelet for I believe 4 to 5 months. And, um, yeah, you know, to me, I, what I, what I get frustrated most, uh, about, um, Mr. Kerry Moon is he will not follow the rules of the law, but then he would use that to tell people to not do things in districts maps. So mm-hmm. he would go against a horseshoe idea in the map because he's like, well, do we really want to do something that could get us in trouble legally as a city? <laughs> And it's just like, I, that's the part that really frustrates me, um, about, um, Mr. Moon and, Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, so that's where I'm kind of giving him the zero. And then also just all the complaining he's done on the excuses of why he, you know, consistently, more, you know, was not following his rules on a regular basis, making excuses and talking about his socks and how he puts on his socks and all this other things that he was just making excuse. Oh, I was going to the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and everything that he was doing was for the good of, it, he was trying to make up for mm-hmm. literally just not giving a crap and calling himself the mayor of Fort Worth from the beginning. And he thinks he has that kind of power. And this is just the example of, um, honestly, just white privilege and how it works. So, um, zero. yeah. And like, what if you've had like a DUI DWI, you've been in trouble with the law for whatever reason, like that doesn't, define you yeah. and it, it shouldn't define you and so like that's not why the whole situation around carrie makes him a zero like he from the start yeah so like he got the dwi in like right nearby a school didn't apologize during city council about it didn't make a public statement of like, Hey, like I had a lapse in judgment. I'm so sorry. That same week rejected a Vietnamese restaurant from getting their liquor license because it was too close to a school. Like, come on. Then comes out later that when the cops pulled him over, he said, do you know, do you guys know who I am? Like trying to use, his privilege to get out of the situation then goes on violating his parole like you said flaunting it like it's nothing and when it comes out that he has done that like you said coming up with all these excuses whatever now he takes a, a plea bargain which uh i would love to like know the details of i'm if that does become public. I'm sure that uh, Harrison and whoever is covering it for Fort Worth Report will be on will be on top of that. Um, and walks away with you know two days in jail. Like he's gonna have to wear wearing an ankle monitor. Is he gonna violate again? Like I don't. He, he, the track record seems to point to that. Um, and uh, yeah, just continues to flaunt so much of his privilege that it, it's just such a bad, bad look for someone like that to continue sitting on Fort Worth City Council. Yep. And um, he, I mean, what I thought was interesting is that the that on Tuesday, the prosecutor offered to drop an effort to revoke his probation. So it's like, man, it's like, it even seems like I mean, I just wonder how consistent is that for prosecutors to drop something like this to such a generous, you know, you mm. go from having to spend the nine months of sentence in jail to two days. Like that to me yeah. is even, I'm curious of like, man, is that, that seems really friendly, you know, that seems mm-hmm. very friendly. And then also, you know, he, it says, he his ignition interlock device recording high alcohol readings 12 times from June 2nd to July 2nd. So 30 days, pretty much 12 times, you know, w- w- didn't 
did it had a high um had a couldn't couldn't work his ignition interlock device uh had high alcohol readings like that's crazy um so like you said um a special election to replace moon on city council is may 7th who's the hero Can't come soon enough <laughs> Can't come soon enough <laughs> hero this week uh Mayor Maddie Parker had an interview with the Texas Tribune where she came out and said, I couldn't run in a GOP primary right now. I couldn't look myself in a mirror and do it. The party's become too partisan. Um, she doesn't lead with her partisan affiliation because mayor's a nonpartisan position. And like, yeah, we've seen how we were sort of like gaslit into believing that with uh, Betsy Price for a while. Um, but like Betsy ran a much more centered conservative uh, campaign for judge got blown out of the water. And I just think it's really refreshing to have a leading Republican in a city, in a major city come out and say, Hey, like where the party is going is wrong. Like I'm not a Democrat, but like, I don't identify with this party anymore. Um, and so I thought that that was just something that we, that I really appreciated. Um, and I mean, hopefully long-term, like if Maddie does, run for something else we don't see her go off the deep end or even as far as betsy started to go yeah and i think our our relationship with the 817 podcast and and the mayor parker is is i feel like oftentimes maybe seen more against than really we probably are in the sense of you know we have to accept, and I value that Fort Worth is a purple city. And to me, that is special. I think that's a good thing. And so what that means is we have to have people who, you know, I think ideally support a Democrat once in a while, a, you know, a Republican once in a while, and, and that they're willing and able to do that. And, you know, looking at the Texas Tribune article, um, what really was exciting about it, I just think like there's a massive opportunity for the Francisco Suarez is and the Maddie Parker to create a modern Republican for new age millennials and young people that could get excited around the Republican group, I think, and really um, compete long term against Democrats. Um, if if their party was able to see um, what Maddie is saying and how how centered other young Republicans are that are, are doing those kind of things that are against the GOP. I think there's just a, a shining spot there. Um, and I honestly believe if Maddie Parker keeps talking like this, she will make more her, her of her impact in the Republican party than in the city of Fort Worth, because I think the city of Fort Worth is, is, is okay. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're moving. Um, but what she's advocating for here, I think is where some of her greatest work could be. And if she can get, um, you know, somehow a national story and, and national conversations. I think there's Republicans who are desperately wanting to get away from the GOP and support people like Maddie uh, and Suarez. Yeah, I agree. 
Um, my like push to her with this is like endorse Deborah Peoples. 100%. Like, endorse Deborah Peoples. Like you, you don't have to endorse Manny Ramirez anymore. Like take the next step and say like, we can't have these people leading Tarrant County because if, like you've, you've said it essentially that like, we can't have these people leading Tarrant County. So like follow it up. Yeah. Um, and that would be like bright shining hero. Uh, yeah. Maddie Parker. But that would be like some, that'd be some Braveheart stuff. Like she'd be like, I, she'd be <laughs> like, I think she would like, she would cause she's so young that like, you know, that kind of, she she's really pinning it on the line if she did something like that. I mean the 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 police dude for sure. Um, yeah, I just think Deborah and Tarrant it has such a bad rap to the Republican side. Um, that 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 would just be hard, especially as long as her name's been out there. Um, and the whole you know Black Lives Matter and defund the police and things like that that people would overplay on. Because I yeah. honestly like Deborah's very centered. I feel like as a Democrat as oh, well. Oh, for sure. Like progressives aren't like, oh, she's super progressive. So um, it's just I feel like how people see her in Taryn is that she like people in the mm-hmm. Republican Party is that she is. But it, it it would make sense. But I don't know. I don't know. It's it. It looks like we might have a Tim O'Hare county judge, and that's yeah. and that's that very very scary. Yeah. When are you moving? No, uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> can you put me in a box uh, so let's go to our next uh, zero you want to do our next zero yeah uh, my next zero <laughs> is everyone at the Tarrant Regional Water District specifically everyone in the Granger family uh, <laughs> it has come out we've known that nepotism was an issue at the Tarrant Water District um, I love the headline that at the Fort Worth report that it falls somewhere between curious and suspicious. A survey found 40 family relationships between employees at the water district. Wow. Like it's one thing for it to be, you know, like a small family thing like, oh, yeah, my mom works here. She got me a job like that's bad enough maybe two or three times like okay like whatever it happens 40 times yeah that's insane the entire district just needs to be completely gutted and they're trying to say like oh other than like the one time with uh jd granger like there weren't any like direct reporting um evidences of nepotism but then it's like all of them are reporting to the same manager um i don't it's so bad yeah so bad yeah this is this has been awful and 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 the crazy thing about it is of those 40 people who probably got these jobs they're the people who go to colonial you know you know sit at the Mm -hmm. bar and talk about how hard they work and how and how all these People are taking their taxes and, you know, people need to work hard for their money and that all this stuff. And these are just clowns that, you know, if any of that's happening, um, you don't clearly see the real data um, and the numbers show um, that you're just using 
your access and you're actually, there's nothing great happening. You're just using access. Um, so yeah, totally. And like these are, these are well-paying jobs yeah. too. Like 112 K in 2003, 206,000, 231,000, uh, yeah. paying almost 400,000 since 2018 for consulting. Like yeah. these are, this is a lot of our money that is flying out the door to a couple of families. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, legends of fort worth uh, i want to talk about mr roach who passed away at 83 years old um, i honestly obviously as a new for, knew their, newer fort worthian and didn't go to tcu um didn't know much of um john vincent's roach the second's life um as also being super young um and not connected back in the day and also throughout this guy's life but this guy was betsy price called him mr fort worth and uh, I think what's really cool about him is like when we talk about innovation, we talk about Fort Worth potential to compete with other cities. Um, you know, this this, you know, Mr. Roach was kind of a real innovator. I mean, so much that, um, you know, he introduced one of the first retail home computers, the TRS-80. And he even hired uh, Microsoft co-founder Bill Gates and Paul Allen to write the software code for the computer and Radio Shack and all these other things that, you know, he did to make computer and technology and accessible to people um, so that we could really accelerate our growth as a society um, comes from Mr. Roach. And I think that's super cool um, that a Fort Worthian was a part of that and has the respect for even Bill Gates, you know, shared a testimony on his passing you know when an innovator recognizes real right real recognizes real that to me was awesome and i also thought it was really cool how you know me and you think you might think this is funny is that mr roach actually helped uh star telegram be the second newspaper ever um to go online uh and uh back in the 80s and it was five dollar subscription to uh read the newspaper online um, they uh, they haven't updated. Yeah. Since <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's surprising, you know, that there's still difficulties, and uh, <laughs> when we we're that early. But so, just loving the pioneer. Wish we had more um, access to Mr. Roaches in the world here in Fort Worth. Um, he's an example how um, you know creating macro change across a country can happen right here in a local city like Fort Worth. Yeah, very well said. Um, I'll do the, I'll do the next zero. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the next zero, Carlos E. Tercios. Uh, we talked about him maybe a couple months ago after the Fort Worth report wrote some puff piece, uh, about him and their profiles on leadership. Um, just a really far right wing guy who has stirred up a lot of, drama um i mean rallied people towards uh harming latina members of the community um just not somebody who represents fort worth well uh he was hopping on facebook trying to rally the troops after um city council decided on the redistricting map um which is funny like 
he's trying to rally people to the March 29th meeting, which is essentially irrelevant. Like the map's already been picked. Um, and I don't think that anybody on city council wants to go back through the process again. <laughs> um, and like he mentioned Wedgwood earlier saying Wedgwood is now being integrated with district nine. It's a cheap political game that progressive Elizabeth Beck is doing. It's insulting. First, she tried to take Panther Island away from district two. And now she wants all of Wedgwood. Uh, you also have a horseshoe district created to help incumbents not have aggressive challengers. This map is a huge no goes on tagging all these people. Um, like it's just real. It's really funny. Yeah. Uh, it was really funny to me to see like one, this is a map that Elizabeth Beck was arguing against yeah. consistently. Like she might still vote against it next Tuesday. Yeah. Um, and just like throwing her under the bus there. I just thought the whole thing was, was funny. Um, and you're trying, you're trying to jump into the redistricting game after it's already done. Like you haven't been there through the entire process and you're also rallying, trying to rally against some, uh, Hispanic opportunity districts, like get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Zero. Zero. Yeah. Big time. Carlos. I mean, and he's a young kid, you know, like, you know, hopefully, um, I don't know, you know, it shows that it's, it's, it goes all, you know, it goes all the way down. I mean, he's like, what, 20, 21. I mean, he's like, not too Yeah, old. something like that. So yeah. Yeah. Big, big zero. Um, <laughs> he might have a career though. If, if he wanted to be a pastor at mercy church, that could probably be where, where he can make his, make a success. He's, a, he's getting thrown a lot of bones by the right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So my hero uh, for for the last segment of the Hero to Zero is Funky Town Fridge founder Kendra Richardson. Um, as you know, I think the relationship with the Eight One Seven Podcast and Funky Town Fridge started rocky off of you know when we were just starting out. They were just starting out. Um, that we kind of made a comment about like their first fridge. We thought because there wasn't a location, right? We didn't have any location. We just heard about Southside a Southside leader talking about Funky Fridge almost as if it was her thing, right? And we were just kind of confused on why it would be on the Southside. Um, and we kind of made a comment, right? And I think, um, you know, for me, I just want to say, like, sorry, you know, I'm super massively impressed of who, who you guys are and what you're doing. Um, you have been nothing but sensational um, since your start of your organization. Funky Town Fridge founder Kendra Richardson is also looking to restore and keep um, a supermarket um, in, in, in her area, uh, where she remembers the morning supermarket and stop six. Um, currently it's owned by someone else. She's looking to try to take ownership of it to maybe use it as a, as a facility as she expands her fridges across the city. And, um, I just think that's super important. She talks about, you know, the development shouldn't be from someone who's not from the area. And so for her, being able to capture that would be one, just super iconic as well, being able to restore and keep and, and, and do that. Um, and I just think all she's done, I mean, from not just th this trying to get this uh, grocery store, um, but also just her campaigning, um, her relationship with United Fort Worth, which is another hero in my eyes as well, and all they're doing in the redistricting side. Um, I just thought this was super cool because we know that Stop 6 is a is a is a 
on a national has been identified from the federal level as a food desert with no produce and, 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 and valuable grocery stores. And so kudos, you're a true hero. You're doing the great stuff and really admire you. Yeah, very well said. Um, I have one more zero that just kind of came up <laughs> while we were talking. Well, we gave uh, a hero to United Fort Worth. So there you go. You could, uh, you can give us yeah, a zero. Yeah, I get an extra zero. Uh, so senior national political reporter at NBC News, Sahil Kapoor, uh, tweeted out Bud Kennedy's um, article this morning about how in suburban for in a suburban Fort Worth house runoff, Republicans debate killing women over abortion. Wow! Yeah. And I'm surprised that the debate over abortion hasn't gotten to this point yet because these people are operating. If these people are operating under the assumption that abortion is murder, then wouldn't the murderer deserve? couldn't you seek equal punishment for the quote unquote murderer? Um, I'm kind of surprised on a national level, like it hasn't really gotten there. Um, but it looks like Fort Worth is deciding to be the ones to take the first step in pushing that out there. Um, yeah. And so I just, for the, the people in this house runoff, um, like big zeros big time. for, Fort Worth and Tarrant County um, that you are seeking consequences against women seeking an abortion, um, seeking consequences against healthcare providers. Um, Yeah. I thought that was kind of crazy. Like the guy's got 200,000 followers on Twitter and, you know, national seat and NBC news reporter uh, tweeting out Bud Kennedy's article. Um, so wanted to definitely, highlight that definitely highlight the the zeros that we need to be voting against come November. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. I can't believe that yeah, we couldn't have missed that one. Cause that's, that's pretty hot right now. It's probably going to get even hotter throughout the week. Um, as people talk more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And something I just wanted uh, to add, you know, um, with funky town fridge, there are doing a GoFundMe for the market. So what we're also going to have is the GoFundMe link in the, in the description and the story in the Fort Worth report. Um, so if you can learn more about the great work that they do, if you're not aware of it, um, they're looking to fundraise for that, um, morning supermarket. Awesome. Yeah. They've got 1900 so far out of their $500,000 goal. Yeah. Um, so pretty ambitious. any help. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty ambitious. Any help that can go towards that. Um, they're doing incredible work. Yeah. Are you ready to move into wins and losses? Let's make it happen. Um, I'll start with my loss. And that is that Como Montessori school is going to be closing its doors. Um, and this, I mean, this really sucks. Like this is a really awesome school in the Como neighborhood um, that has been providing, you know, a Montessori approach uh, of teaching kids in that area. Um, and uh, through like Fort Worth's um, choice pro- school choice program, like Daggett might not be super accessible to kids in that neighborhood, just like being able to get there and everything. And so like having 
something like that in that neighborhood, um, I think was awesome for the community. Um, but a small campus with declining enrollment creates a cycle that reduces resources and options for students at the campus that would otherwise be present in a larger setting. Um, the other thing that really sucks about this announcement is that the window for like Fort Worth school choice has already passed mm-hmm. and they're just kind of dropping this bomb on all of the the kids in that school now. So these kids, if they wanted to try and get into Daggett Montessori, like now they're going to be way down on a wait list because the window's already passed. Um, and uh, so I, I was just really disappointed to hear that we are not investing resources in getting kids to this school and it, keeping it open, um, provide and providing an alternative form of uh, education that a lot of people are flocking to now. And I'll also say it, it sucks that like white people aren't trying to go to this school, you know, like when it, it comes to Montessori schools in Fort Worth, like people talk about Daggett and that's it. Like don't acknowledge that Como Montessori exists and has existed. Um, so, yeah, and, and it's not just in Daggett, like, it's in we, Haskell. I mean, it's in, it's in, I mean, right. there's like two schools that they go to, you know, um, and, 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 and I just wanted to bring up because there, this was also, I think could add to a hero zero that we missed on. Cause we didn't know where he dropped, where he fell into. Uh, and that's, Former superintendent for of Fort Worth ISD, Mr. Scribner, who is now going to leave earlier um, um, after a panel he had around education and where it's going. And so he's going to be leaving earlier. And I just wanted to say some st- statistics that I thought were crazy um, about how you're talking about this school being dropped down. You could say this is an L for public school Fort Worth ISD as a whole. Since the 2016-2017 school year, this is a statistic in the Fort Worth report, the number of students attending Fort Worth ISD has declined almost 14%. That is a loss of 12,043 students. So how do you lose students while your city is growing, right? When you have when you have 18 days of homes, uh, of, of runways of homes available of 18 days, Um you don't have even a month of homes yet you you're losing you know people are moving but you're losing students it is yeah to me um you know probably on top of the voting um the bill senate bill one transforming public education and the language around it is just needs to be a priority um because we are we are and i mean i'm in phoenix and same thing. I spoke to a public school here. They're talking about nobody is going to school here. And there's all these new hipster gentrified neighborhoods around this school. And the entire school is a title one school and everyone else drives 45 minutes to go to a school. So it's, 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 it's serious, man. And it's, and it's going to continue to impact low income kids who can't have Montessori's like you said. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, man, like this is a massive loss for Fort Worth. Yeah, um, my loss. Um, I'm going to keep it short and basic, but it's just the, the tornadoes. You know, we had 11 tornadoes. Um, people were impacted. Um, you know, um, and I just hope everybody's okay. I know. I, you know, I hope it's. Um, if you've 
you know, have to do something to your home. Um, I know I can't imagine how hard that is with just like the current status of everything um, and just trying to get anything done when it comes to repairs or impact and insurance. Um, so um, I just hope everyone was at the end of the day safe. Uh, we did lose one person throughout the tornadoes. Um, but, you know, that just to me was a loss that, you know, if anyone did impact their home, because I know that's a not a not an, um, a fun or um a thing that people, you know, expect to do with everything on top of their lives already. So um, that's just, I would just say now, you know, the tornado, I'm glad there's good weather today, but it seems like, um, um, you know, the tornadoes bit some people in the butt um, in their neighborhoods. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's, uh, what's your win? My win is actually, I came out of nowhere with this one because um, we, I was, I almost missed it, but my win is actually the Hispanic Fort Worth Chamber building their mm. first uh, bilingual small business incubator, and um, yeah, I just think that's super cool. When you look at the growth of the Latino population, I'm even talking about where you know East Side. Some of my favorite places to eat is in East Side. It's ran by. Um, Hispanic people who are hustling in food trucks and restaurants, um, small businesses. Um, and you know, there's so much entrepreneurial ambition to want to live the American dream and, um, they're, you know, to allow language barrier to prevent them from succeeding in Fort Worth, um, is, is it would not be right to our city's growth. And so the fact that the uh, Fort Worth Hispanic chamber and the leadership and their donors and their partners, have created a small business incubator that's for that's Spanish speaking forward. Um, I think it's a huge win for our city. Um, and hopefully we can have modern strategies on top of that to connect and relate to and connect to busy people in Fort Worth. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, my win, and it's a follow up from something you mentioned a few months ago, uh, and that is the, the Kinfolk House. It is open in the 1900 block of Wallace Street in the uh, Polly neighborhood. Um, husband and wife founder Stegrick and Leticia opened the doors to the reimagined space where they took uh, the grand, um, Cedric's grandmother's old house, 100-year-old house, and have turned it into a familial place for collaboration and community in an often marginalized neighborhood. Um, it is a, a space for artists to come have a collaborative space for the community that is safe. Um, and uh, they're open now. They've got a ton of awesome artwork inside. They've done an incredible job um, refurbishing the, the place. Um, it is open Monday through Thursday from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., Friday and Saturday, 11 to 5, and Sunday, noon to 5 p.m. Um, head to their website to uh, book a time um, to go and see an amazing thing that they have restored in Polly. Yeah. No, I'm uh, really excited for that. And I have one last thing I want to highlight. Um, so Holocron Toy Store in Fort Worth, it's like right across, uh, it's, you know, in the area where Fort Worth Barbershop is, um, right next to Mui Frio, kind of like a no man's land of where uh, to get to. Um, 
it has a, a much more national profile than it does in Fort Worth, I would say. Like if I told you that one of the leading Star Wars memorabilia shops was located in Fort Worth, you probably couldn't tell me the name. You probably wouldn't believe me that it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the daughter of the owners was walking to a friend's house and was um, was run over, was hit by two oh. uh, two vehicles in, in like a, a hit and run. And she is um, in kind of like critical condition, yeah. but she's reco- she's recovering. It's obviously a super long way towards recovering. Um, she's been moved out of the ICU and there is a, there was a big event this weekend where the Peter Mayhew foundation, um, who Peter Mayhew, uh, was Chewbacca in the star mm. Wars films. Um, his foundation had a ton of, uh, Star Wars cosplayers and um, just major people in the community come out to take pictures and do fundraising for her recovery. Um, so wow. we can we can link her GoFundMe as well in the notes. But um, I just wanted to highlight that we had like this is a, an amazing amazing shop. Um, and is run by some really awesome people. Super tragic thing to have happened to their daughter. Um, and I, yeah, if you are of the the means to donate, um, they're absolutely worth supporting as, as they, you know, keep something afloat in Fort Worth that uh, doesn't get the recognition from locals that it deserves. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Um, Thanks for sharing that, and definitely we'll have it in the description. Yeah, I found that on TikTok. It's come up like Holocron has come up more on my TikTok than I have ever heard it come up in like conversation around Fort Worth. <laughs> yeah, so it's a really awesome place, and um. I think it's a, it is in a tough location. You know, I think it's in a, it's in a tough location. Like I actually feel like if it was over where your uh, theater was and like where the, like by docks, I feel like it could like really spill. Like, I feel like if it was near more like vintagey stuff and uh, like more like Mm. people like kind of uh, nostalgia, I think they could have really, really do uh, well locally. Cause you're right. I've never been in, I've never been in, I've always seen it, but I've never been in. Um, And if I'm but it seems like if it's that cool, definitely. Um, I, I didn't know all that. So, and I'm all about um, those kind of experiences. Um, yeah, I think this is what turned out to be a really fun show. Yeah. So, um, well, um, thank you guys for dealing with our audio with uh, being on the road. Um, we'll have a lot more coming for you guys here. And uh, thank you for listening to the 817 Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we'll see everyone next week. Swipe, double me, swipe, double me, double me, double me, swipe. Follow us, likes, double tap.